Hi, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media, and a contributing columnist on CIO.com, where I write about boardroom and career strategies for technology leaders. Twice a month, we produce CIO Leadership Live with the generous support of my friends at CIO.com and at the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on LinkedIn and our YouTube Tech Talk channel. And we welcome any of our viewers who've joined us today to get into the conversation with some questions of your own. We'll be watching for those questions and I'll be delighted to pass them along to my esteemed guest who today is Tim Martin, Chief Technology Officer of Audible. Headquartered in Newark, New Jersey, Audible has been a wholly owned subsidiary of Amazon since 2008. As the largest audiobook retailer and producer in the United States today, Audible is a driving force behind the audio entertainment revolution. Its millions of members download nearly 4 billion hours of content annually. This is why we're all on our phones so much. Tim joined Audible in 2014 as the vice president of technology and general manager of the Cambridge Mass office. And then he moved on to the global headquarters in Newark in 2016 as a senior VP of technology. During his tenure leading Audible's consumer technology team, Tim helped build an organization that has pioneered innovative audio experiences and advancements in machine learning and Alexa voice technology. In 2020, he moved into the chief technology officer role where he assumed responsibility for all aspects of the global technology organization. Before he joined Audible, Tim led two technology organizations through periods of global growth, serving as vice president of software development at Vistaprint, and before that, as the director of technology at Sapient. Tim, it's great having you here today. Thank Good you, afternoon. Mary. Yes, it's great to talk with you. Um, let's dive in and talk about how Audible, Audible is such a big player in the digital media business overall. And as we know, everybody's digital media models, their business models have adapted, advanced, retreated in some areas, just changed a lot during these last few years of this great uncertainty during the pandemic. How would you describe the big picture impact on the, your digital media business and your customers? What are you seeing and hearing these days? Well, last time we talked, uh, it was the height of the pandemic. Uh, I was at mm -hmm. home. I'm in the office uh, today. So there's certainly been yes. some uh, changes as folks return to the office, which I know we're going to talk about. Uh, at that point, also, one of the big disruptions to our business, Mary Fran, was the loss of the commute, which was such a, 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 mm -hmm. a peak time of listening that you see these spikes in the morning and the afternoon as folks were habituated to audible in their cars. Uh, we need to find new ways and continued ways for folks to enjoy audible. Now that the commute's returning a little bit, mm -hmm. we're, uh, you know, that's certainly a great tailwind for us. And it really is just, uh, you know, the, the way that I think about it is the more we can get people to listen the way that they want to listen as their lives have changed and as the workplace has changed, it's really been one of, um, you know, a lot of innovation and a lot of experimentation on bringing audio to the forefront of people's minds. Yeah. Well, and I, I know the last time we spoke also, we talked a lot of, about business resiliency 
and yeah. the ways that as the CTO at Audible, you have tried to pair that up with, with innovation, with different ways to look at, you know, the business resiliency and the driving forward for customers is the, mm -hmm. is the thing. Uh, talk about all of the talent resources that you are applying to that. Sure. Uh, it, it, so audiobooks have been our bread and butter for uh, a long time. It's a 27-year-old company. You mentioned our acquisition by Amazon in 2008, and it's been a great uh, story of growth of uh, the business and listening. Um, especially recently, there's been a couple trends in content uh, as a content-powered uh, company. Our investment in Audible Originals, uh, titles that you can only get at Audible, uh, is a, is uh, very exciting and meaningful to us and our listeners. So we want to create an environment where people can uh, come and listen to things um, that are exclusively produced and distributed by uh, by Audible. Mm -hmm. uh, that includes a lot of shorter form content. Whereas when you think of an audiobook, uh, I know you and I have talked about this. You know, mm -hmm. it's a ten plus hour commitment. Sometimes folks want little smaller snack size uh, pieces of content to listen to before they're ready to head into the next audiobook. So we've brought sh short form audio, we've brought podcasts into the Audible app so you don't need to leave. So we're really trying to be a destination uh, where we can listen uh, and watch your listening habits and try mm -hmm. to make great recommendations for you based upon the things that you like and don't like. Yeah. And I, um, I know that we will be talking about the various technologies that help you do that so well, you know, the machine learning and uh, different mm -hmm. uses for AI. Um, but you'd mentioned when we were getting ready for this interview that the, right now is the annual planning cycle with Amazon, with the parent company, and that the strategies that you're forming for next year, that the hiring environment is still very top of mind for you. I mean, even as kind of as cool and as well-known a company as Audible is, you can't just open the door and pull in great talent. So talk about the challenges you have there and what how that works into the annual planning cycle with Amazon. Sure, we've had a tremendous, I mentioned the growth of our business overall. Our tech team has grown pretty significantly. This has been our biggest year of headcount growth within the tech team uh, since I've been at Audible. Mm -hmm. um, and there's been a lot of focus uh, internally on how do we make Audible a great place where engineers can come in mm -hmm. and grow their skill sets um, and do it in, in kind of two ways. One is very customer focused. So our, our whole engineering team is uh, building product and trying innovations and running experiments not for the sake of science projects, but really to deliver on that value that I mentioned mm -hmm. in terms of listening, uh, you know, being a, 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 a direct consumer business, the things that we build go to the Audible app and they're there, yeah. uh, you know, as we release. So folks really get are, are charged by, uh, you know, delivering value for our customers. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we also, uh, I, I mentioned, uh, I'm in Newark today, uh, Delivering value together uh, and as a team, uh, mm -hmm. we tend to cre create these pods of teams with uh, that are that are responsible for certain metrics and certain right. features within the business. So it's a very team-oriented development environment, and that mm -hmm. that speaks to a lot of folks. Uh, forget about the baseline of being uh, 
uh, an Amazon company with uh, a, a, a great access to AWS technologies and a lot of emerging frameworks over like-minded digital businesses within Amazon. Uh, Prime Video, Amazon Music, Twitch are all in the same business unit as, as Audible. So a lot of synergies there, a lot of great technology, but we really tend to uh, attract people, uh, builders, folks that want to come in and be part of this mission uh, to deliver spoken word to millions mm -hmm. and millions of people um, uh, worldwide and do it on a great tech stack and experiment and really kind of push the envelope together. Yeah. Well, and I think when we talked last year, you were up to 600 engineers. Are you much above that number now? Um, how, how large is your tech organization and how do you have it structured? How is it kind of set up? Yeah, we're uh, a couple hundred people uh, greater than that. Our, uh, in our, when, when I talk broadly about our tech team, it includes yeah. engineers, but it's also quality assurance folks. Uh, we have technical mm -hmm. program managers who do a lot of our cross-coordination, a lot of development managers. So um, that's overall roughly the size of, uh, of our tech team. Um, okay. and, and the way that we structure uh, our, the, the tech team, we're very closely with a product organization who uh, interfaces with all different parts of Audible. Uh, and and mm -hmm. that's really where a lot of the, you know, uh, uh, the symphony uh, of all of these different uh, units, whether it's the content team or our marketing team, our product uh, uh, team, are all working together on a portfolio of investments that we have. So it's a, it's I would describe it as very cross-functional. Yeah, um, as the team has gotten so much bigger, and you're you've been in the well, you've been with the company since 2014, but then in the CTO in in the biggest chair in the tech organization since 2020. How has your how has your job changed as you end up in a the leadership responsibilities grow as the teams grow, but it probably also changes some of the ways that you have to lead. What, how does that strike you? What, what happens with that? Yeah, so I, I think right around the time um, I took the position was when the pandemic hit. So the thing mm -hmm. that comes immediately to mind uh, for me is, you know, this, this flattened world that we talked about where wow. folks need access to technology uh, we, we reacted really quickly to that. And that wasn't in my purview before this, like IT operations, that was uh, someone yeah. else that just kind of managed that infrastructure. And that being my responsibility, uh, and, you know, uh, in a time of great uncertainty uh, mm -hmm. was really kind of eye-opening, right? So there was that element to it. And there's also a cybersecurity lens, uh, uh, Mary mm -hmm. Fran, that comes to mind as, um, uh, is information security and data security is so top of mind for CIOs and CTOs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just really the workforce being distributed, making sure that folks have access to the tools and a great mm -hmm. environment where they can be productive, but also uh, making sure that we're holding extremely high standards on data security. You know, that, yes. that, that was kind of the, you know, the biggest change for me, I think, in the role is those two things hitting right at the same time, in addition to driving a lot of the consumer value that, uh, that I talked yeah. about previously. And, and also being so incredibly important. Um, I, I know a lot of CIOs I talk to whenever I say, well, you know, let's talk about the top three things that you think about the most. It's usually talent, cybersecurity, and then 
some form of innovation, customer focus, new products coming out, that sort of thing. Um, I want to say that cyber has been in that top three for a very long time, but it's, I, I almost feel like uh, maybe CIOs are talking about it a little more openly. Nobody, of course, wants to get in to discuss their stack, you know, and, and right. what happens with all their cyber. But it's be, I, I run into more CIOs now who sometimes are also jointly the chief security officer. Um, do, do you have a whole security organization that reports to you or is it attached to other parts of Audible? Uh, yes, so the, the, our security, our InfoSec uh, team reports into me, and they're also highly connected with a Amazon information security. Uh, right. So we, we do have our own investment. We've got a lot of benefit from uh, mm -hmm. the, that, that investment at, uh, at Amazon. And one thing that I think has changed, Mary Fran, as, as you were talking, is it's not just the, the, the CIOs and CTOs anymore that are, that are um, I don't want to say worried about this, but focused on this. There's a lot more education in, uh, you know, across our entire business uh, mm -hmm. as things like phishing um, are yes. top of mind for folks. That's how uh, in some of these breaches that you read about, folks are yeah. getting in uh, data portability. Also, yeah. folks walking around with uh, spreadsheets on their laptops. Um, you know, mm -hmm. is, you know, these vulnerabilities, it's not just about the tech side of things. Yeah. It's about, yeah. uh, you know, educating the entire community on some of these risks and why some of these policies are probably a little onerous as opposed to erring on the side of convenience. It, it, right. it comes back to customer data sense, uh, right. sensitivity. Well, I know the times when I've written about um, issues with boards of directors. This is certainly uh, that has been a huge area of focus and discovery for boards as well. Uh, so sure. you're right. It's it's not, and it, it's really beneficial that it's no longer just tagged as a tech issue. It truly That's is right. a company security issue overall. But I want to pivot back and talk about the the way we work today. I know you've been interviewed a couple of times now on future of work because for a while we were all oh everything's going to be remote and then it's going to be a hybrid environment. But then there are people, and I think of the extroverts as my people, who really love being in offices and being around yeah. other people. And I, th I think you're in that tribe as well. You really like to be in the office and see people. Tell me how you have adapted for the tech organization, because you probably have just as many people that love working remotely and thank you very much, that's gonna work for them. So what? how are you approaching it these days? That That is a real top of mind conversation that a lot of CIOs, CTOs, CEOs are having these days. And I think you've got some very interesting ways that you're approaching it. Yeah, sure. It's uh, it, it, it's evolving, um, and <laughs> you know, if you think about this, uh, we, we were talking uh, as we were prepping. It's back to school time. Well, this is a year where masks aren't required, in uh, at least in New mm -hmm. Jersey where I am, and school is kind of back to normal. It definitely feels like we're getting a little bit more back to normal, um, yes. and. But that normal is different than the old normal, uh, for sure. It yeah, uh, it's our, probably our, time yeah. to call it a new normal, isn't it? <laughs> because I, I it really so. is. Yeah. And then, you know, who knows where that is going to go from here either, uh, you know, as folks uh, develop their own routines and go from largely being virtual, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, to more of a hybrid environment. And that's, that's what we're really leaning into at Audible, is we'd like people to be in the office on uh, one to three days a week, suiting mm -hmm. their schedule. We've been 
ultra flexible in allowing people to deliver customer value from wherever they are. But we're really focused on uh, attracting people back to the office. Um, And and there's really like a a couple of um, things that come to mind for that. One is um, our our culture. I mentioned we, we develop in uh, you know a team-oriented environment. You mentioned the mm-hmm. you know the org is fairly large. Um, you know, developing uh, personal relationships with each other and being part of a team and mm-hmm. uh, you know different to read about a culture uh, or have a conversation with a person over the screen mm-hmm. than it is you know together when you're together. So there's a sense yeah. of togetherness that we really want to try to embody. We know we don't. That doesn't need to happen five days a week like it used to. That that premise has right. certainly changed. Right. Yeah. And the the other um, thing that's top of mind for 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 me and is unique to Audible, is our our culture is also defined defined by a commitment to our communities. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm very proud to be in Newark today. I'm very proud of Audible's uh, mission um, to to uh, you know bring economic value to this community that needs it. Yeah. Um, yes. And it's really tough to do that if you're not um, if you're if if you're not actually in the office. If you're not if you're visiting, not dashing out to have not, lunch. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that really speaks to uh, the the types of folks that we hire and sort of our, our expectations for giving back to the community, you got to be part of it. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's a lot harder to do remotely than it is uh, when you're here. Well, yes. I mean, imagine if right now, I how much more fun would it be if we were just sitting across the table and talking, you know? Our then, next one, that should be our goal for our next talk. That there. really should be, absolutely. <laughs> because you made a point when you were talking about, um, uh, we had talked about your office experimenting and figuring out ways where the team is really going to work together and that leadership, and this won't come as a terrible shock, I don't think to anybody, leadership doesn't have all the answers. And talk about some of the things you discovered where you thought one thing was going to really work out great and the team had to inform you that, "Mm, no, we don't like that so much. Tell us that story. Sure. So um, one thing that we've learned through all of these experiments is that there is no one size fits all, right? Mm-hmm. Teams have different compositions. We have, uh, you know, we have a lot of younger folks uh, mm-hmm. uh, at, at Audible. There's folks that live in, you know, one bedroom studios, for example, where they want to come in the office because they want to be around their peer group and their friends and they don't want to be, you know, stuck in that small apartment together. And mm-hmm. they, there's folks on the other hand that have been navigating this pandemic with young children. And I'm sure you've yeah. seen that where it's like, you know, parents have to trade off uh, in terms of watching the kids or keeping them occupied. Uh, And then there's the extroverts like you and I that like Mm -hmm. crave people and want to be around people uh, and drive a lot of energy from that. So um, it's not a one size fits all. And I I would say that's the, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of the biggest thing that I've learned throughout this. Um, I was expecting um, we, uh, at Audible, we operate in two-week sprint cycles, and we're pretty harmonized mm-hmm. across the entire organization. I thought the sprint ceremonies, um, particularly the end of a sprint, where yeah. folks uh, you know, kind of wrap things up and they do retrospectives on like what worked and didn't yeah, work. Let's, uh, let's get together and yeah. raise a beer and celebrate and yay, yeah. we're done. Yeah, whiteboard it out, right? Like that's yeah. a ceremony. And the <laughs> next day they're doing sprint planning for the next two weeks. And I'm like, oh, okay. that'd be like, why don't we ask people to come in? 
yeah. for those two days. It seems very logical to me. Um, yeah. That worked for some teams. It didn't work for other teams. Other teams mm -hmm. were like, no, we have these virtual rooms set up. We're kind of like mm -hmm. in our flow. Um, you, know, we, you know, it works just fine for us. So why would we come in just Tim to, you know, for your notion of togetherness, <laughs> it works works for us the way that we're doing it. So that that's kind of been one of the biggest, um, you know, lessons is listening to the team and have them participate in that dialogue. And mm -hmm. you tell us, uh, hey, we're giving you the guidance. We want you in roughly yeah. one to three days a week. We know that's not going to be every Tuesday for a particular team, uh, mm -hmm. for example. And really having them be part of the exper uh, experiment and, and uh, you know, own their, their team environment, what their team chooses to do. Yeah. Well, it, it, you were essentially harshing the agile buzz, weren't you? Yes. <laughs> you were saying, exactly. come in and report and whiteboard. And they were all like, no. Well, what do they like with the teams that didn't go for that? What did they like to get together to do? Uh, so uh, they, uh, they, they like a couple things and it's hard for me to even say they, because the, the, you know, each team is, is a little bit different. There's ah. folks that uh, really like doing their meetings uh, like we're doing virtually, where yeah. they, uh, you know, have meeting time, they're on screen, they're doing their thing. They're trying to honestly, you know, as an engineering org, minimize that so they can go build things. So they find the meetings to be mm -hmm. more efficient if they can kind of do it and check in yeah. and check out. That's Good. the tax is a little he more heavyweight where you're in a conference room or trying to find a conference room and hey, we mm -hmm. have booked for a full hour, but you know, let's fill the agenda. There's a little bit more urgency, I think, among the teams and a little more flexibility when it mm -hmm. is virtual. So that's um, you know, this notion that we all need to be together um uh you know it, it, it isn't true for for mm -hmm. you know, especially for meetings. Uh folks do also tend to like the heads down time and the quiet time afforded to them by like working at home and okay. just um, like I'm a big build day I have a deliverable coming up or I'm a little bit behind. I just need to go heads down. Uh, teams are telling us that's easier from their home environment, probably yeah. where they don't have the commute. They can start earlier, work later. They can be more flexible. But that heads down time for engineers, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're really enjoying the flexibility of doing that, that at home when they need to or when they yeah. want to. Well, and good for you, too, that you've set up the feedback loop so that you find this stuff out, because the, <laughs> one of the one of the problems with getting into the C-suite level is people start, you know, um, editing what they do and don't tell. And you have to create a certain amount of psychological safety for somebody to just be, raise a hand and say, gee, great idea, boss, but it wasn't. No. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. Uh, I, I consider myself very fortunate to uh, be surrounded with people who are very happy to share the feedback uh, with me. <laughs> Good. And honestly, it's, you know, that's part of I, I think some of the uniqueness of Audible is this uh, mission that we're on together and mm -hmm. uh, stressing uh, a diversity in our organization and knowing that by having folks with uh, diverse backgrounds, um, you know, is going to help us deliver a better product and in mm -hmm. a better way. So yeah. folks speak up a lot here, which is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> the feedback can be overwhelming at times yes, and we know yes. we're not going to get it right all the time, um, <clears throat> but we're trying to get it right most of the time. And we're really trying to listen to our employees about work, what works for them. 
Good. Well, we've got a question from our alert and watching, listening audience, and it goes right to, it's a real techie question too, which I think you'll enjoy. Is quantum technology anywhere on your roadmap, i.e. with data security or data optimization? Oh, that's a great question. Quantum Thank computing, you yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's on the radar, but it's on the distant radar. Uh, and mm -hmm. what I mean by that is we're watching that space. Uh, there's some mm -hmm. interesting innovations happening, happening there, but it's not quite in the mainstream yet. It's not quite applicable to kind of these two areas that I think where it's, um, uh, you know, mm -hmm. really uh, fresh. One is information security. We're always on the cutting edge of that and sort of yep. wanting better and smarter ways to do that. And then also with the amount of data that we need to process, um, you know, to, to have a, a, an unbelievable recommendation engine, um, yes. you know, that's, a, that's a, an area where I think you're gonna see quantum uh, do some innovating and become a little bit more mainstream over the next few years. So we're watching uh, that we don't have a big investment in now, but we're certainly keeping our eyes on that. Yeah. Um, well, while we're talking about emerging and things to come, let's also talk about some of the technologies that you're not just watching, but maybe starting to experiment with or use in proof of concepts, things like uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, I know you do already do a lot with AI and machine learning. So talk through, take us out to the edge of your technologies and talk about what you are really interested in, what you're experimenting with, uh, anything that's been particularly a surprising success. Yeah, there's a, a couple of things come to mind. Uh, uh, for, for, for us, uh, one is uh, with uh, Alexa and being mm -hmm. part of the uh, Amazon family, uh, we're afforded great access to voice technology. And yes. I mentioned earlier, the commute is one of our major, major use cases, which mm -hmm. is highly optimized for more of a, hey, your hands are busy, a more of a voice-driven um uh, experience. So yeah. just in the past uh, literally week, we're dialing up an experiment where Alexa is in the Audible app. So you can tell her to play and mm -hmm. fast forward. You can also stop your audio experience and say, oh, if you're listening to a, a book and you took the weekend off because you weren't commuting, uh, you know, Game of Thrones comes to mind for me where there's so many characters. It takes a little yeah. while to get back into it. You know, you can now uh, ask Alexa, you know, who's who's King Joffrey, right? If you, mm -hmm. if you forgot that. So stopping your audio experience to get, you know, while your hands are busy again, it comes mm -hmm. across your mind. You know, that is a very interesting innovation for us is how do we make the commute a spot that, uh, you know, is highly tuned to not just playing back audio, uh, but also listening to um uh, to, to, to what the user wants and what they, you know, okay. whether it's a next chapter, uh, you know, delving into Wikipedia, learning about things. We think there's something special there and we're, we're continuing to innovate yeah. uh, a, a lot there. Oh, um, this, yeah, yeah. And then the second area that came, comes to mind is uh, machine learning, um, you know, specifically for recommendations. Uh, mm -hmm. While we think, uh, and you and I have talked about this a couple of times, there's nothing yeah. more important than the thing that you're listening to right now. But second place is what you're going to listen to next. Uh, so we do a lot of analyzing of signals, of customer behaviors, uh, what you like, what you don't like, and creating these models uh, that are 
you know, kind of beyond, you know, what, what, you, what you would consider standard. So, for example, if I was okay. to ask you, okay, name, name some genres. You'd be like fiction, mm-hmm. nonfiction, horror, romance. Well, what about things like tearjerkers? Right. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that's people like, you know, uh, you know, yes. t- it, it's not my cup of tea. Yeah, no, no. Well, I'd say thrillers, vampires, uh, serial killers. You know, I'm kind of into that edgier stuff. <laughs> sure. so. And these micro genres out there, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about uh, tech employees and the engineering team not being one size, yeah. size fits all. The listening experience, too, is also the things that you love. You know, how mm-hmm. do we get signals from you? Break down some of those more traditional uh, genres and way of structuring data into more mm. personalized audible experience for Mary Fran and for Tim and for yeah. all the millions yeah. of listeners that we have out there. Yeah. Well, I'm very interested in what you've said about the Alexa thing, because I was thinking I've been trying kind of half-heartedly to get into House of Dragons, which is the oh, next yeah. it's the next thing after Game of Thrones. And so far, I haven't been all that thrilled, but I'm also having trouble keeping the different people straight, like which clan is this and everything. Is that something I should be able to now ask my Audible app to explain it to me? Is that how yes, I understood that? Can. Yes, if oh, you're all right. you can say, who's this? And, uh, you know, try to go and get you that information. Okay. All right. Well, for other Audible fans out there, what else do you have coming that you think will be real big hits with fans? Uh, I think you mentioned a deal that you made with Higher Ground. Uh, Yes. So uh, Higher Ground is uh, uh, President Obama and uh, First Lady Michelle Obama's uh, media company. Audible has uh, struck a deal with them. And it's very exciting to us. It kind of goes back to what I was talking about, uh, Audible originals and content that you can only get uh, mm-hmm. at Audible. We have a very exciting, I think it's in our, it's in its 32nd uh, edition, uh, a words and music program that uh, mm-hmm. talk, you know, has artists. I just listened to the Beck one. Uh, what a fascinating uh, artist oh, he is. Neat. Listening to his story for, yeah. you know, couple years where they thought he was going to be a one hit wonder back in the, you know, early 2000s. And he's had yes. an incredible career, yes. kind of his experience, his words, his music, um, you know, James Taylor, Smokey Robinson, Yo-Yo Ma, you name it. Uh, in those 30 plus mm-hmm. episodes, it's been, um, you know, very exciting to experiment with some of those uh, shorter form genres and things that you can only get at Audible. So those are yeah. things that we're really trying to differentiate on, uh, Mary Fran, is making Audible, uh, you know, a place where you go for all of your storytelling. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, you had mentioned, uh, you brought up the two-week sprints, and I know that Agile has, of course, you know, most forward-looking, forward-striding tech organizations are doing a lot of Agile, but you made a comment when we talked once about you don't, you want to do agile, not fragile, which is yeah. fake agile. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm probably just catching up with this way too late, but I hadn't heard of fake agile before. Uh, explain what those two are and how do you avoid doing fragile instead of agile? Well, I, I think I might have made that up, but it's definitely something. Did you that, really? Uh, <laughs> I think so. I think so. Uh, I, I'm not quite ready to take full credit for that, okay. but it definitely resonates with me as you you know, read and talk to folks, um, you can do those sprints, uh, you know, the, all those ceremonies that I talked about, you know, smaller mm-hmm. sprint teams, sprint retrospectives, story mm-hmm. pointing, 
uh, and still not be very agile. And agile to me is really, uh, you know, uh, it boils down to two things. One, it's delivering uh, value quickly and often to your customers. And we find that those two week increments work really well for Audible. Uh, for Audible. You know, if you're not delivering customer value for nine months and you're like these big bang projects, you know, those are a lot tougher to get right than mm -hmm. delivering more incrementally as you go. Um, the other side of the equation is, are you able to pivot, right? I, I mentioned about not getting it right all the time. We strive to mm -hmm. get it right most of the time um, and apply high judgment, but there's things that we do that uh, just don't work out the way that they thought we would. Yeah. And listening to your customers about what they like, you know, we're very excited about uh, this, this Alexa uh, experiment, for, for example, in, in our mm -hmm. apps. Our, we hope our customers love it, uh, but I'm sure there's things that we don't have today that they're going to want. And we're mm -hmm. listening for those, um, what we call utterances, those customer commands of like what they want that we don't have. What are they asking Audible um, uh, that we don't have answers to? Um, so being able to pivot when you get it wrong or you get <clears throat> customer signals, those are really the two things that I think about when you're agile. In addition to all those baseline ceremonies that you could be doing, if you're yeah. not delivering customer value <coughs> frequently and often, uh, mm -hmm. and then you're not listening to signals and be able to pivot where you got it wrong or yeah. where you got it right and you want to like really accelerate your development, those are the things that I think of when uh, when we talk agile. And okay. the difference is between that and fake agile, which is just like, hey, we're doing all these ceremonies, <laughs> but we're not delivering value or we're not like as quickly or we're not really learning from our customers. Those aren't aren't so agile. Excuse me. That's all right. We're live. Oh. This is going to happen. No. Okay. I'm recovered. <clears throat> all right. I don't quite sound it, but I am. Um, we have a, a question from the audience about <clears throat> once a year, a little more, about supporting the local economy. And is that is that the... <clears throat> Uh, talk a little bit more about the kind of pr programs you have underway, underway, and is that focused only in Newark, or do you have it in other com company locations? Sure, uh, Newark is the headquarters, uh, gets uh, a, a lot of the attention, but uh, <laughs> part of uh, our culture, mm -hmm. which we define according to our people principles, there's yeah. a people principle that we call activate caring, which in a large element of that is uh, our responsibility for all the geographies that that, that we're in. Um, mm -hmm. There's a kind of a couple hallmarks uh, to that that uh, that come to mind. One is when we talk about returning to the office and stimulating the economy. Uh, one of the things that the team rally around is our community investment. So the teams will have, whether it's go planting trees or helping out in a shelter, uh, the mm -hmm. teams organically do these things uh, and want to come together for those. And we're very proud. I think the last time we talked about it, um, Newark Working Kitchens uh, during the pandemic, uh, we were uh, investing in the community, trying to keep these restaurants alive. Uh, whenever they delivered a meal, we would match it. Um, mm -hmm. And now we're doing that again, that folks are coming back to the office. We have a program where instead of getting lunch through our cafeterias, if you order from any number of restaurants, um, it stimulates the local economy and we give another meal to somebody in need. 
So we try to create these formal programs um, wherever we can to help really lean in and you know have be, beyond just this commitment to our communities be something that's corporate speak or sort of on the you know on a wall that talks about your uh, your culture. We really tend to lean into it and 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 make it about our people and our communities um, yeah. you know pretty directly. <clears throat> now, have you noticed in terms of um... Well, retaining the talent you have and then acquiring more talent. Um, how has how have those discussions changed from kind of your point of view when you're bringing engineers in? Do you get more questions about corporate social responsibility, maybe about ESG issues, environmental and societal and that sort of thing? Um, how how is that all kind of working for for Audible these days? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, I attract folks who are very passionate about our product. And I mentioned, you know, uh, being a direct-to-consumer business, uh, our, our folks tend to be listeners or folks that want to bring, know the importance of storytelling and know the importance mm -hmm. of Audible. Um, when, you know, you talk to folks and they're like, oh my gosh, I love Audible. Our, you know, our, our employees love hearing that, right? They really mm -hmm. are kind of like, yeah. A giving community uh, that wants to, uh, you know, make a difference in our customers' lives. Um, that so so that's for you know that uh, that's for sure. That's certainly a hallmark of our attraction is our is our product and what we're trying to do. Um, yeah. Also, is the way that we do it, uh, right? Like I mentioned, delivering together in teams. We talked about agile. We talked about our uh, commitment to the communities. Those all tend to resonate with. Um, with, with folks, and we tend to call them, you know, that, that we're on a mission together, whether it's mm -hmm. our product mission, or community uh, mission. Uh, we really want folks to get involved and be deputized and make Audible the company that they want. Um, yeah. And there's, you know, a, a couple things. One, certainly in, in, in terms of like embracing diversity. Mm -hmm. For example, I mentioned how important that is. That's something that uh, our, our founder, Don Katz, has really made a point to deputize folks, to have Audible, you know, hmm. hire the folks that uh, you want to be uh, teammates with. And if you're not mm -hmm. having enough diversity of opinion on the team, you know, go hire someone that's going to do that. Don't hmm. wait for someone above, uh, you know, to make that decision for you. Yeah. So that, that's something that we've really tried to get the whole organization to lean into is the types of people that we're bringing into the organization. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, um... LinkedIn recognized Audible as an employer of choice very recently, right? It that was... is right. Yes, and that's very exciting for us because that, uh, yeah. you know, that, that that helps create a buzz, right? Because I think once we get folks uh, mm -hmm. knowledgeable about our product and our uh, our culture, they tend to mm -hmm. get hooked, and we tend to do really well uh, with attracting them. It's just yeah. really opening the top of the funnel and generating buzz about, and hopefully this interview does that as well, because okay. I think we're you know we're doing some special things out there, uh, you know, in the name of our customers. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and we've we've mentioned quite a few of them. So yeah. So if this doesn't help bring in all more, what do you want more of? Data scientists? What are we looking for? Do we want AI expertise? Uh, what is what is top of your list? I have another question actually about um, your leading edge technology uh, organization um, about blockchain and immutable contracts. Is that on your roadmap at all? Uh, it, it is. We're looking at, uh, you know, NFTs, uh, blockchain, mm -hmm. 
Web3 is another uh, sort of hot-ish topic. Uh, yeah. Who knows how that's going to, to play out. Uh, blockchain creates uh, some really interesting opportunities uh, for us. And mm -hmm. I'll, I'll talk high level about it because it's early days in the thinking, but um, since we're such a creator-driven economy, um, and our assets mm -hmm. are digital, it's ripe for connecting our customers closer with creators. So if we okay. could find a way, for example, uh, for creators to offer enter NFTs to customers that are, you know, you download the book or you buy the audiobook, <clears throat> and you get an NFT, um, that was something that could be just yours. Now, whether these, uh, I'm not gonna speculate too much about what, whether NFTs are a passing, uh, fad there's certainly you know, it, it's an area that we're keeping an eye on if there really yeah. is a differentiator for either our creators and or our customers it's best when it's an and uh you know those are the opportunities that uh, that we tend to go after yeah and blockchain is exciting and interesting for sure yeah well and because i've <clears throat> spent a lot of time over the last few years trying to get cios to talk more about ways that they're using blockchain and there's been a lot of Occasionally, you definitely find some really great use for it, but I, get, I lost track of how many told me it was still a technology looking for a reason or a solution. Um, now, when you talk about NFTs, you are, it's non-fungible tokens, not near-field right. technologies, right? Correct, yeah. Because I was actually thinking how I, either of them might apply with you, right? <laughs> with the near-field and <clears throat> some... So um, let's switch. Let's pivot a little bit. When I, get, I keep thinking about, I keep wanting to like wrap up our interview and go check some things on Alexa. So now you've got me really <laughs> interested in that. Um, talk about some of the top business and tech initiatives, anything we haven't mentioned so far that you're planning for 23 and beyond. Are there any collaboration technologies? Most of our questions have been about the kind of leading edge stuff that you're most interested in. So um, if, is there anything that I haven't pinged you on yet about technologies that you're doing on, not maybe not the, your cutting edge, not the bleeding edge, but the cutting edge? Yeah, well, I think <clears throat> one of the things that uh, we're, you know, we, we, we talked about inf information security and some voice technology, mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, uh, the marketing landscape is changing quite a bit. Uh, you know, as we look towards a cookie-less world in the future, and as you know, we talked information security, but also uh, customers' expectations around their data and what you're collecting from them, and mm -hmm. uh, more personalized experience. Those are being heightened, you know, particularly in Europe, um, in India, where we have a presence as well. Uh, privacy is is uh, a pretty hot topic. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in the in the marketing economy, is adjusting quite a bit uh, to that. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we're, you know, as, as a company that uh, invests a lot in marketing and trying to attract new listeners, we're really trying to stay on the cutting edge there uh, of marketing technology. That, that's probably the biggest one, you know, that, that, that era of marketing and privacy. We haven't talked about, um, you know, uh, mm -hmm. prior to this question, but those are ones that, uh, you know, are ripe for disruption and innovation. Privacy is a little different in that mm -hmm. uh, it's a customer expectation. Uh, uh, about how much data I'm keeping on you, your ability to say, hey, yeah. don't track me, 
things like that that are really disruptive right. and, um, and, and that bleeds over into the marketing space. So th th those are two areas that are, um, you know, especially interesting. And overall, you know, social engagement as the world goes more and more online. And I was just talking mm -hmm. to a friend this morning who was talking about TikTok and just their algorithms. And, uh, you know, think yeah. Audible has a TikTok channel that has really been taking off. I encourage folks ah. to take a look at that. It's kind of surprisingly taking taking off, um, mm -hmm. which, it, which is really exciting. So <clears throat> those a couple of things is, um, you know, areas where we're, uh, either actively investing or in, uh, innovating internally, knowing that the world and our customers' expectations are are changing pretty rapidly. Yeah, well, and you're right. And there's so what, what was it you you had mentioned? Um, Reed Hoffman, the CEO of Netflix, has said that his 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 biggest competitor is sleep. The idea right. that people would rather sleep than be binging his shows. When you think about your competitive landscape. Uh, mm -hmm. What can you tell me about the things that you watch there and the places where concerns, probably too strong a word, but you can see things that are happening innovatively maybe elsewhere and maybe there's ways to apply them. I, I find a lot of CIOs and CTOs love talking to uh, their, their colleagues in other industries because you get good ideas that way, but it also can help keeping an eye on the competition. So what can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think um, we, uh, we, I, I talked about Audible, or you mentioned Audible is a 27-year-old company that has been mm -hmm. built on a membership and subscription model for, yes. uh, uh, and that that really is something that uh, we've we've pioneered and optimized for. I tend to think uh, I've heard of uh, Audible be described as like a gym membership for your brain. Where it yeah. feels really good to be a member, and uh, the mm. you know the credit model that we have creates um, mm -hmm. you know this habituation of uh, oh you know Mary friend, what are you going to use your next credit on? Or you have a couple credits like you know you have some listener oh, yeah. recommendations. Um, so we, we've been on the pioneering end of that, and there's so many digital subscriptions these days, um, yes. right? Um, uh, you know, you talk about Netflix, there's folks, especially in the video space, there's so mm -hmm. many subscriptions out there. Um, so we're, we're really trying to remain, um, you know, especially as the uh, economy uh, is in a little bit of a downturn right now or contraction. Yeah. I'm not going to call it a recession <laughs> because I'm no uh, expert in that. Uh, but certainly as discretionary income with like inflation, gas prices mm -hmm. were super high. You know, Audible is, um, uh, you know, competing for uh, much of that share of ear or, yeah. uh, you know, uh, video and audio, that kind of mashup of where do you spend your discretionary time? We want Audible to be at the top of that list. Um, yeah. So some of the things that... Um, you know, we, we really tend to listen to our customers uh, about what they need and want, mm -hmm. not only through analyzing how they use the app, what they like and don't like, uh, but through surveys and other, you know, uh, a, a mm -hmm. lot of data analytics to try to make Audible. Uh, our friend Bob Kerrigan talks, uh, mm -hmm. talks about Audible um, being sold, not bought. And like, how do we position Audible as something that folks want and consider indispensable in these times yeah. where you know, there's some belt tightening going on. Yeah. Well, that's funny too, because you're trying to create something indispensable with people's dispensable income, right? Like it is. What, it what is. Can they spend money on? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and it's a tremendous yeah. responsibility, right? It's a uh, it's a premium product. It's uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, hopefully you can hear my passion for storytelling and what we're trying to do mm -hmm. for our customers because uh, we really believe that. Uh, but it is a privilege for you know to to uh, you know for us to serve so many members. Yeah. Well, and we have another question and we keep coming back. They, they take the fact that your CTO is being taken very seriously here. And this is a question about talent and how do you ensure that you have the best technical leadership for your teams? It's very difficult to find and retain quality staff these days. And of course, that's not just the engineers and, you know, the, the, the genius AI uh, software engineers. That's also the people that lead them because the very yeah. best technology people are not always the very best leaders. So uh, talk a little bit about that, about how you bring tech technical staff into leadership positions and how you make sure that you've got a steady supply of those. Yeah, well, I, I mentioned um, previously uh, about our growth and, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, our ah. tech team is growing quite a bit. Well, guess what? Uh, there's a lot of other companies out there that are trying to grow too. And if folks can, oh, okay. um, you know, switch jobs with relative ease and do mm -hmm. it from home, um, you know, we look at employee retention uh, very closely. Because yeah. if we're not creating, an, you know, when I think about leadership and management talent, if we're not hiring managers who uh, embody our culture and some of the things mm -hmm. that I talked about, about investment in community or team building, that we want engineers to build and drive a lot of value. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, if we're not bringing in leaders that are bringing out the best in their teams, we know that there, uh, there is likely to be attrition. We know that folks leave yeah. Uh, in disproportionate numbers because of their manager. Um, some of the ways that we do that uh, is both qualitative and quantitative. And I get, you know, I mentioned uh, my team shares a lot of feedback with me. We've done <laughs> yes. a lot of surveying of the organization <clears throat> and they're like, oh, no stranger to feedback. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of survey fatigue and I'm like, well, you know, we're kind of spread okay. out and it's hard that I can't walk down to the lunchroom and sort of like, get the vibe anymore of like what's working and what teams, you know, yeah. maybe you're struggling or overloaded or they have some, you know, challenges with their manager, uh, you know, by doing a lot of surveys and constantly taking the temperature of the mm -hmm. teams and giving them the, the voice. And I hear a lot from our org, um, you know, where, where folks thank us for doing that <laughs> because they're like, yeah. Hey, if you ask me, I want to tell you. And when you talk about leadership, I want to know how you're using that data. Like what, what are you doing with the stuff that we told you? Um, uh, and how are you making things better for us? So there's certainly like, uh, you know, a, a, a you know, quantitative uh, angle uh, around giving folks a voice. And there really is that, you know, you and I have talked about too, like managed by walking around, right? And sort of the extrovert yeah. nature of that. The, the <clears throat> lunchroom, like I got so much information from just being down there and talking to people and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. getting a vibe for, uh, what's working and what's not working. Um, you know, we try to do that too. And that's another reason why we're trying to bring folks back into the offices to try to get more of that community vibe and, you know, uh, kind of the yeah. things that you won't say over video, over a messaging app that maybe you, you know, if we were to grab a coffee, you'd give me the down low on. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Um, let's, as we're wrapping up here, tell me about some of the things that the pandemic and all the challenges, the uncertainties, the things of the last few years, 
what has it changed in you as a leader? We've, we've, oh, of gosh. course, you've told um, us about how open you are to feedback. And once you get feedback like that, you actually you have to do something with it, right? So something has to change. So what has changed about Tim Martin as the CTO? Yeah, well, I think uh, certainly the, uh, you, you know, the, and I think this has changed in all of us, uh, the perception that everyone needs to be together, together five days a week and um you know some of the, the the pandemic that you mentioned just instantly challenged that assumption and so we're really trying uh as i mentioned to uh, uh attract folks back to the office and still uh you know being very aware that folks are like hey i've been very productive for the past two and a half years at home um mm -hmm. You know, working, there's lots of benefits, like I mentioned, heads down time and other things like yeah. that that you get from that. So we're really try trying to um, be hybrid. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, the things that have changed in me, oh, gosh, um, you know, I've learned a tremendous amount. Um, and it, it, we, we talked, uh, you know, coming into the CTO role um, in yeah. that, you know, being a, a huge responsibility in areas that weren't response i was wasn't responsible for now i am now mm -hmm. just really stresses to me kind of the importance of having a great team and a great leadership team that's yeah. um you know clear on what we're trying to do and the culture that we're trying to build um mm -hmm. you know that can never be top of mind uh, enough as we seek to grow the organization so um yeah, you know, I suppose the biggest thing that I learned, and it's something that you know, continually have to relearn, is that I can't be in all the conversations of the org, but I can continue to take the pulse of the organization, continue to mm -hmm. talk about strategy, um, you know, and be very consistent um, yeah. in in making sure that that is cascading through the organization. And where it's not, you gotta, you know, you gotta get your hands dirty and like get in there and start. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, figuring out really from the people on on uh, on the teams what's working and not working. And my my yeah. perception of things is uh, mm -hmm. is often different from the, uh, what's actually happening on the teams. And I'm trying to connect a lot of dots and look at trends yeah. across the organization. And I do that by talking to people. So just the I, ways yeah. that I did that changed, right? <clears throat> that's and that's I'm you know I'm so on that wavelength with you. I think that that's a real extrovert kind of quality. Uh, sometimes I think the introverts look at it and they think we're just goofing around, you know, they're walking around the office talking to people and everything, but it's all inputs, you know, it's ways oh, to gosh. figure out what's really happening. Yeah. And to, you know, to, to make it a, a little bit personal too, I've been coming into the office uh, quite a bit, four days a week, yep. five days mm -hmm. a week, not because I have to, and I, I do want to show up for the organization. I want to walk the walk yep. and, you know, I, I, I want folks to see me doing that. Um, at the same time, I'm doing it for myself. Uh, I think yeah. I, you know, uh, I, I did not enjoy being in that small office that we talked in last time, you know, for mm -hmm. 10, 12 hours a day on screen, looking at myself the whole time. I drive so much energy <laughs> from being around people. Yes. And being able to, you know, just pop out of a meeting and run into somebody or grab a coffee. Yeah. I ran into a woman last week that I haven't seen in two and a half, three years. It was just like, it, like, and it made my day, right? I was, yeah. I wasn't expecting to see her. She was mm -hmm. by the door. We said, hi, we had a quick conversation. And it really is those types of things that, you know, that really drive a lot of happiness for me.
Yeah. Well, and I think that a lot of people have kind of discovered that whether you're introverted or extroverted, I think that human connection drives so much happiness uh, ultimately for lots and lots of us. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a uh, it's been a great conversation as uh, the hour flew by as I knew it would. And we had lots of great, very, very technology oriented questions from our audience as well. So uh, you probably should keep your day job as the CTO. People clearly want to keep hearing what you're seeing and doing out in the technology area. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Tim. It's been a really wonderful conversation. Yes, it was my pleasure, Mary Fran. It did uh, fly by, and I do thank the people that are watching and asking questions. So this was yes. uh, this was great. Yes. That is. Oh, and you know, I forgot. Well, last thing I was going to ask you is, what are you listening to on Audible right now? Oh, I'm listening to uh, Made in America by one of my favorite authors, Bill Bryson. Uh, okay. It's about the evolution of the. Uh, I don't want to say the English language, but American English and how okay. uh, you know our language became so weird over uh, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. since the, the founding of our country. So uh, Bill Bryson's uh, great. I really enjoy all of his stuff. Cool. I would have, I really would have felt I wasn't doing my job if I didn't find that out. So how about you? What are you listening to? <laughs> I'm listening to the Thursday murder club oh, right now. So all right. that's actually, and I'm, and the author's name has flown right out of my mind, but I'm all into murder mysteries and thrillers these days. So, um, well, one of the, uh, and I know we're, we're trying to wrap up, but something exciting for us is uh, when you do find out that that author, we have introduced an author follow feature where uh, I found I was following Bill Bryson and I found out his yep. book came out and I downloaded That's it right away. Stephen King's next with uh, Fairy Tale, I think, is the uh, yes, his book yes. recently was released. So that's a, a great uh, feature for our customers. That's a good. It sounds to me I need to poke around on my Audible app a little bit more. It sounds like there's features you've got that I haven't discovered yet. So there you go. So thanks for the expert tip. And thanks again for joining me today. It's been great having you. Thanks, Mary Fran. Now, if you joined us late today, do not despair. You can watch the full episode today later here, right on LinkedIn, but also later today on CIO.com and also on YouTube's Tech Talk channel. CIO Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation today with CTO Tim Martin of Audible as much as I did, and that you will join me again next time at noon Eastern on Wednesday, September 28th, when you'll hear from Sastri Durvasula, who is the CIO and Chief Client Services Officer at TIAA. Thanks again for joining us today, and do take a moment to subscribe to that Tech Talk YouTube channel, where you can find all of the previous episodes of CIO Leadership Live. I keep encouraging people to go ahead and binge through more than 90 of these interviews with CIOs, but I don't think that Netflix is in any danger from that just yet. <laughs> Stay well out there. Thanks so much. And we'll see you here again next time.